0: Welcome to Money Talks, that conversation which we have around our money and how we manage our finances. Indeed, there's nothing wrong with supporting family and there's nothing wrong with lending to friends and having a financial relationship with those who are closest to our hearts. However, We need to realize that there are problems which can arise when you start dealing with money and family. Today's topic is money and your family. How do you manage that relationship? We've all lent money to family and family and friends, and we've also borrowed money from family and friends. A situation that often happens, but sometimes it's a situation which doesn't quite work out as we planned. From our experiences, we need to however realize that once you introduce money to family relationships or to your friendships, it can change your relationship and actually can actually hurt and damage your friendship. Because, or, this and that happens. So we need to be very careful in how, we manage that relationship when it comes to family and friends. The first thing we often do with our family and friends is to give open-ended loans. The problem with an open-ended loan, what am I saying? It's it's a loan you're get a hundred dollars or fifty dollars, and i out orotit not zogarini. An open-ended loan is very dangerous. And a lot of the time, these open-ended loans happen in emergencies when you're helping out a friend or a family member and you just send the money. When you are in this situation where you need to advance money to a family member or kunehama, make it a closed-ended loan. So, In other words, make sure that you have a timeline which gives a final deadline for total repayment as well as if we can't the person can't pay the full amount my installments or even interest i know it sounds harsh and impersonal how do i tell her five dollars interest every month it's important because once you've established those guidelines it makes the relationship a lot easier to manage and it makes the collection of the money also very clear and transparent also when you give an open-ended loan there's never a sense of urgency from that person who received the money because they took that money and you never gave them a deadline if they are conscientious and are budgeting and managing their finances they don't actually know or put you in their budget in terms of when they need to give you back your money one of the biggest problems when we do advance money to family is It's difficult to ask for the money back it can be very difficult to request repayment of loans and money from friends and family more than likely you the lender you care about the borrower and you don't want to feel awkward so often you to worry about that loan on your own and that person carries on with life as though nothing has happened you know that awkward situation when you meet a friend who owes you money and they look you straight in the eye you need to be in a situation where you realize that if you do let that money go it might not come back because you might struggle with asking for the money so if you are in that situation, Nas, go to all those friends or send them a SMS. Good guys, remember Mariana gorere wiza. Please, So it's important. Um, let's keep having this conversation around how we deal with money with our family and our friends. Um, does it also make you an African if you don't lend money to friends and family? does it mean you're heartless does it mean that you're cold um because it, it is a situation you find more and more especially with the youth where they find it very difficult to marry family elders and speaking of family elders when you owe money to other family members it makes family gatherings particularly awkward and we also know the situation, you don't even want to go to my family gatherings where you know to Nemari money, and you haven't spoken about it. It's important if you are not the lender, but are the borrower, still pick up the phone today or send a message to the person who you owe money and say, you know what? I remember I owe you money. I'm really sorry. The um, chai but don't ignore the situation because my tensions will simply just build up over time and often you even end up mark with my fight my family gatherings specifically around money also don't make the situation public. Uh, I know when someone owes you money, you want to tell the whole world, and you have been aggrieved, but that doesn't make things better. Actually, it makes things worse when you go and report nyaya kune family yose. It just makes it even more difficult and can be even more damaging to the relationship. Now, when you talk money and family, here's an interesting one. You also have a situation where the borrower becomes a servant. To the lender. What am I saying? You know that rich family. <laughs> the ones who've got it together, the ones with cash, who distribute and lend money to whoever is in need. But unfortunately, they end up being the masters of the family. When decisions are made by Sekuru Banim no one challenges them. That's the end of the story. And it's because often they own the family relationships. Because the borrower becomes a servant to the lender. So be careful because it can also affect your family dynamics in a negative way, where the youngest brother becomes the boss. Because when you do have the situation where you've lent money, Don't make the mistake of adding to the problem by giving out more. When the borrower asks for more and they owe you money, stand your ground. I know it's difficult, but you might need to do this for your own personal sanity and also to protect the relationship in the family. Now, the last point I maybe want to discuss in terms of money and family is that if you don't collect the money, you might end up in financial hardship especially when there are situations where you lent large amounts of money you might need your own money back so don't ignore don't let the situation run for too long and yes i do think that there is a fine line whether you charge family interest for money they borrow from you but sometimes you need to decide whether you want to charge interest and often if you do start charging interest it might actually become a deterrent for future borrowers visiting you the last point if you don't manage your money and your relationships You could lose the relationship and i think that's perhaps is the reason why we're having the conversation today that if you do start lending or releasing money from your hands to family and friends you're opening a door which can ultimately have the unintended consequences of ending that very relationship if not managed well I believe that us as Zimbabweans, we need to support each other financially. But sometimes we need to also realize that individuals are not financial institutions. So if you're not prepared or able to plan or to give money knowing how you collect it, or if you're not the kind of person who borrows money and is able to repay it, try and avoid putting that situation between you and your family and friends. Thank you for joining us this morning. It's Gerald, Mr. G. Mwandiambira, leading the conversation on money. Thank you and see you soon. Ngati Welcome to Money Talks. Today we continue an important topic which many people have responded on around relationships and money. We're talking about finding a financially compatible partner or a spouse. It's all good and well to point out the problems you will face after you're in the union. But sometimes we need to discuss what you can do to prepare yourself and to find the right partner who will be financially compatible with you. The last thing you which is on your mind when you're in love is finances. The important thing about money is that it drives most relationships. And it is important that although it's important to find someone with a core core common belief system and somebody you want a long lasting relationship with or maybe even someone who's very different to yourself. A lot of the things you will face in life involve finances. Yes, you can marry and be with somebody who is very different to you in terms of financial habits. You can have a partner who is a frugal partner or a partner who is a shopaholic. Remember the money behaviors and the money personalities we have already discussed however you cannot ignore the topic of money even if your financial behavior is better than your partners or you believe that in your relationship you know how to handle your finances it is important that as you enter and start your relationship you start having discussions around finances one financial decision, which is often ignored is that of how many children are you going to have indeed many partners believe that it's not an important topic however when you consider the cost of raising one child can be in excess of a hundred thousand dollars in terms of from age zero to 18 you need to realize that each child can become a very expensive financial decision what you must also realize is that if you find discussing finances makes you feel uncomfortable or unromantic it is important to definitely address these issues before you commit. Sit down with a financial planner or a financial advisor to try and get the right advice in terms of how you can find ways of discussing money freely without feeling necessarily uncomfortable. The next question you should ask yourself is really, I want to ask a mari? To The other way around. Murume wako is uncontrollable when it comes to finances. Is it still worth going through the marriage or the relationship? This ultimately is up to you, of course, because when you look at the example of children we spoke about, many people decide to take the risk and marry someone even though they haven't really discussed the number of children and are willing to take the risks. However, remember that financial issues are not just the issue of children. It's also important to understand how much debt your partner has, because ultimately by joining and becoming one estate, you are joining into their debt and you're ultimately joining into their financial habits. How do you know if you and your partner are financially compatible it is easy to find out if your partner and yourself are financially compatible and there are a few exercises which you can engage in which will assist you in knowing if you are ultimately a match financially the first thing i would suggest is sit down with your partner and get pieces of paper and prepare a fictional budget In your fictional budget, I want you to put down all the categories of things which you believe you will spend in your fictional household. Rent or mortgage or shopping, groceries, food, school fees. Just prepare a budget which has the same topics. But once you've done the topics together, go away into separate rooms. Fill in the numbers of how much you expect to spend in each category in each month. Then sit down together again and share your results. You will be very surprised because you will have to discuss huge differences many in many cases in your budgets. This is the first step in terms of building your financial union and taking your relationship a step further in terms of how you manage your money affairs. Another thing you can do to discover if you're financially compatible is simply engage in premarital counseling. And I'm not talking about the premarital counseling, which necessarily takes the spiritual angle or the religious route. I'm talking about going through premarital counseling with a financial planning professional. This will go through a similar exercise to what we've already discussed, but go a little bit deeper in terms of asking the questions and make you start to see each other's money personalities and money behaviors. There's nothing wrong with being different. But you need to be able to manage decisions when you are together. You need to be able to talk. Communication is one of those premarital counseling skills which transcends every category. Regardless of whether it's money or whether it's relationships, you need to be able to talk to your partner. And it's important that you and your spouse are able to freely discuss your feelings and attitudes towards money. Remember, our feelings and attitudes towards money were often built from our childhood. Wakakura makakura kukunda You need to be able to express yourself because these thoughts and feelings can ultimately sometimes make or indeed break a relationship. Another important question to ask yourself in terms of your financial compatibility is are you willing to listen and take advice? It's important to realize that even somebody who's trained and is an expert on money needs to be able to know their limitations. If you as a unit understand your financial limitations of your knowledge and abilities, you will go far in your finances because if you look at all the wealthy people in the world, they have plenty counselors but at the same token in the multitude of counselors sometimes there is lack of wisdom so you need to be able to find good advice and stick to good advice and finally the biggest test i guess which you can take in terms of understanding each other's financial compatibility before you're married is through your wedding budget when you are planning a wedding you're supposed to operate with a wedding budget and not a wedding wish list. The difference is that those who plan a wish list want everything and anything under the sun and they want the perfect wedding. And this sometimes means that you end up making the wrong financial decisions. You need to pay attention to being able to stick to your wedding budget because this is ultimately the thing that will sometimes be a key indicator of how your money affairs will be dealt with in your relationship well this is me mr g signing off on money talks i hope this helps in helping you find the perfect partner somebody you can be financially compatible with see you soon Welcome to Money Talks. Although every relationship we enter into has that happily ever after which we hope for and yearn for, things don't always go according to plan. Today we'll be talking about what happens when a relationship doesn't quite work out, divorce or from a legal perspective, a dissolution of marriage. Let us remember that we'll be talking about divorce from a financial aspect, so I won't delve deeply into the legal aspects, for that is not my forte, but we will discuss at length the financial implications of a dissolution of marriage, commonly known as a divorce. It's important to note that marriages are dealt under two specific areas of law the Marriages Act, Chapter 511, which deals with marriages at the High Court in Harare or Blawayo, or divorces under chapter 505 of the same act which deals with m- polygamous marriages and these typ- these typically can be dealt with at the high court or at the magistrate's court we also have another piece of law which specifically looks at how the assets are divided in terms of the dissolution of the marriage, and that is the Matrimonial Causes Act, Chapter 5, 13. And that looks at the issues pertaining specifically to the divorce itself, property sharing, custody of the children, as well as things such as spousal maintenance. Now let's go back to basics. When you get married, there's two things you can choose. You can choose to be married in community of property, which means that you and your husband become one financial estate. Most marriages are community of property. Then, definitely, you probably are community of property. And this means that at the point of dissolution of marriage, you both have an equal share to what assets have been acquired during the duration of the marriage. You can also go to a notary and and have an anti-nuptial contract or prenup contract which is really a contract which speaks to what would happen if you were to go into a divorce situation and talks to the division of assets before the divorce has appeared this is not very common but it's becoming more popular because mainly many people are not making it through the marriages and many people are entering into marriages with their own assets now let's look at what will happen when you decide to divorce? In Zimbabwe, there are two grounds specifically for divorce, and these these two grounds are specifically an irretrievable breakdown of the marriage, and an incu- and or an incurable mental illness or continuous unconsciousness of one of the parties in the marriage. Yes, Saka like, okay, in for a very long time, you might wake up. And not be married anymore. The spouse who's filing for divorce must establish which one of these grounds which they want to co- which they want to lodge the divorce under. And then you have then two situations which happen. You can have a divorce that is contested, or a divorce which is uncontested. The process of filing the divorce is quite simple a summons is issued with the high court in the district where the initiating spouse lives and this summons will normally be served onto the other party in the divorce once the summons have been served then you have to appear with in the high court and decide whether the divorce will be contested or uncontested an uncontested divorce is normally the simpler option where There are no issues, a settlement is found quickly and it can be wound down as quickly as two or three months later, you are happily divorced and you are divorced on an amicable settlement which will govern the future of the division of the assets as well as the custody of the children. Yes. Remember, we keep talking how important children are as part of your financial relationship. Indeed, children are very much involved in any divorce proceeding and the court will always put specific emphasis on their upkeep and their welfare on divorce the property will be divided in accordance to the principles set out in the laws of Zimbabwe and specifically the matrimonial causes act this basically means that the court will divide both the matrimonial property and the personal assets of the either spouse in a fair and equitable manner. And this is important, fair and equitable manner. It doesn't mean that if one particular party was the breadwinner, the other one will walk away with nothing. Under a community of property marriage, the assets will be divided equally. So it means that when it comes to divorce, the assets will be distributed in a fair and equitable manner. Assets owned by the spouses individually, even those you had before marriage, are considered when deciding how to apportion the property. So yes, although you may have had the assets before marriage, they will still be considered at the point of divorce. And the and the high court will decide whether these can be introduced in the divorce settlement. Another type of marriage which we haven't really discussed is a customary law union. These are traditional marriages where Rora is paid. They're not c- treated at the s- in the same manner as um, um, a classic civil union. But at divorce or dissolution of marriage, they still will go through the division of assets. And this, however, happens at the magistrates court as opposed to the high court. So, even if you are married without a, a, a certificate, you still have rights and you can still claim your share of the matrimonial, matrimonial estate at the point of the dissolution of marriage or divorce. Now, children are a big part of divorce, and custody of children will be considered by. The, the, by the court and usually if it is in a contested divorce where people are not happy and fighting, you, the, the, the judge will decide on the fate and, uh, and the custody of the children. However, in an uncontested marriage, things are usually a lot more amicable and can be resolved quite quickly. Responsibility for child maintenance will rest with both parents. So you can divorce from your spouse, but you cannot divorce from your children the court will make an order for child support depending on the lifestyle of the child and each parent's respective income and this is where they look at the respective income of each party and they decide so we must remember that child support will appear will apply up up until one 18 years old you will be liable to pay child support in the event of you going into a dissolution of marriage or divorce before the child attains that age another thing we can quickly look at is spousal maintenance if spousal maintenance they call it alimony in the u.s it's really that amount of money which might be payable to a spouse in the event of a divorce a classic scenario is where you're dealing with a housewife who had given up her education prospects and looked after her family and she's in a divorce situation and she needs to be kept in terms of her own personal upkeep. In this situation, again, the judge can look at spousal maintenance and look at a situation where one spouse can claim maintenance on the other. If she's not in a position to maintain themselves, where the spouse is still young and earns a reasonable income, the maintenance sometimes won't be granted. Can I? Can I? I actually, actually, to or oh, not even one. If the spouse, uh, I, 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 actually young, then the spousal maintenance does not always apply because the judge will say you're still young. There's still opportunities. You can basically still find ways of looking after yourself. So, while it is solely the court that will finally. D- decide and grant a divorce order or they call it in legal terms decree nisi parties can agree on issues such as property sharing custody of the children and maintenance this agreement will always be binding and the court can actually consider their views if they don't agree sometimes uh, in the agreement on the agreed settlement by the parties i.e., it may not be fair in the eyes of the law so we've talked about it The courts are very consistent also when it comes to sharing property in 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 customary law unions because they use what is called unjust enrichment okay so we're saying that you cannot enrich yourself out of the marital union and that's where things like inherited properties and assets which were there before the marriage sometimes become excluded as part of the actual final divorce because if you have inherited in by a family you can't bring it into a divorce and give it to someone and sometimes it's got joint ownership with other siblings so there are instances where the high court and the judge will exclude certain assets from before the marriage or assets which are inherited during the time of the marriage the divorce is supposed to be fair and equitable and therefore normally to look at the assets which were acquired by both parties during the marriage another interesting thing we'll look at in the next episode or in the next podcast will be trusts and how trusts are set up because some people do try and get out of divorce settlement by hiding things in trusts but we'll discuss that soon from me mr g gerald wandiambita thank you for joining me on money talks Ngati fume tose.